Reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 28 to 40. Jesus before Pilate. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman emperor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to protect my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner, at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Cathy, for reading to us from the Gospel of John. Um, We are working our way through the Gospel of John, and we're only at chapter, uh, we were going to be in chapter four this morning, and I was going to preach on uh, the woman at the well, uh, but given the events that have happened this week, I thought, well, we need to think about something slightly different, I think. So um, I thought about what else in John, the Gospel of John, might speak into this a little bit, and uh, so I thought John chapter 18 where Jesus is facing um, an empire, uh, a representative pilot of the Roman Empire, the greatest empire that the world has ever known. There are people under occupation, invasion, and then Jesus, the king of glory, stands before Pilate, and we see this incredible encounter. So I thought that might speak into a little bit of what is going on in the world today. But before we look at this text, let's pray together. Father, we come before you in all humility at the moment, uh, not always knowing what to think or pray or what we can do. So we turn to you, Lord. We turn to you, Jesus, the King of Kings. Help us to understand, help us to see, help us to have hearts wide open for a troubled world. Help us know how to pray. Would you speak to us this morning, Lord? And comfort us in our fears. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
I think many of us, uh, through the events of this week, are a little bit shocked. Well, not, maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot. How could this kind of thing happen in our day and age and in our continent? A lot of people are reflecting this is the first kind of conflict like this in Europe since the Second World War. And haven't we learned from our mistakes? Haven't we seen what kind of devastation could unfold through things like this? How could it possibly happen? It's almost like in some ways we go one step forward as a, as a human race and then suddenly take two steps back. And we think, what on earth? How could this uh, be happening? And then it just seems like there's one wave after the next, you know, whether it's COVID, a pandemic. And just as you're coming out of something like that, then suddenly there's a war. And who knows what other things are going on around the world where wave after wave is crashing over people. And we think, what on earth is going on? Not just shock, but also fear. What does this mean? What does this mean? It's going to have an impact around the world, whether it's the economy, whether it's people going off to war, losing their lives. It's going to impact everyone. And maybe there is fear as well. But the Bible speaks into this sort of thing. The Bible is not surprised that darkness raises its head time and time after time and time again. God is not always surprised that these things happen. And he knows, he knows what we're like. He knows that darkness exists within the human race and that from time to time we will raise up against one another and take from one another. He knows what darkness is capable of. We see that never more and more clearly uh, than in the events surrounding Jesus' own death, when he is confronted by the world's greatest power. Jesus himself knows what darkness looks like as he stands before Pontius Pilate. Well, there are two ways of looking at this scene. As Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate, there are two perspectives here. There's an earthly perspective and there's a heavenly perspective. There's what Pontius Pilate sees before him and then there's what the rest of us who are believers and what God sees. Two very different perspectives. It really does matter which perspective in life we take. There's always different ways of looking at things. I've just got a bit of a silly example for us. I'm going to put on the screen a picture. A door. Quite an ordinary door. A door that you might see as you walk down a street. You might see a thousand doors a bit like it. It's got a number 10 on it. Okay. Most doors have a number on it. From one perspective, that is just a house with a door. But if you were to zoom out and look at that house from perhaps a more heavenly perspective from above it, you would see what? That that is a house on a street called... Downing Street, very good. Phew. <laughs> All right, we're okay. It's working. A street called Downing Street in a world capital city called London. London, good. 
and you zoom out and it's the capital city of a nation called well United Kingdom okay <laughs> different options there um, but you see all of a sudden from as you zoom out from a different perspective that is the seat of power that is a key house in all of our land but from another perspective from that angle it's just a door to a very ordinary house. Well, maybe not ordinary, but not uncommon. Before Pontius Pilate, Pilate just sees a man. He sees not even a man, he sees a prisoner. Not even a prisoner, he just sees a Jewish poor prisoner of no real significance or importance at all. That's what Pontius Pilate sees. He sees Jesus, whom he has absolute power over. Pontius Pilate knows that in his hands, he could close it and crush him, or he could open it and let him go. That's what Pilate sees. In fact, he sees Jesus, and he probably thinks to himself, hmm, what is truth? In fact, he says that, doesn't he? Jesus tells him about being a king, and then Jesus, Pilate says, verse 38, what is truth? You know, it doesn't really matter what you say, Jesus, or what other people are saying. I'll decide in this situation what the truth is. I can decide whether you live or whether you die. What is the truth here is actually whatever is most, and this is what Pilate's going through Pilate's mind, whatever is most convenient to me whatever I want it to be. Are you going to cause me too much trouble, Jesus? Then I say you're a criminal. Or is it going to be more expedient for me to let you go, in which case I'll vindicate you? But it's kind of up to me. In the end, Pilate decides, you're too much trouble, so I'm going to decide you're a criminal, and I'm going to crush you. That's the world's point of view on Jesus but it isn't heaven's perspective on Jesus is it from heaven's perspective before Pilate is the king of glory the only one who has a right to stand in the presence of God and sit on his throne before Pilate if you were to zoom out you have the author of life itself, the very one who made the heavens and the earth. Not just a common man, one out of 10,000, that you would pass by on the street, but the one, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the king of kings. Do you see the perspective difference? If Pilate had seen that, he would have seen that Jesus far outranks him. Far greater than the kingdom and empire of Rome exists the kingdom and empire of Jesus Christ. It really matters how we see things. It really matters what we consider to be the truth. You see, Pontius Pilate, he saw what he wanted to do, and he justified it. He said to himself, 
what I want to do is get out of this difficult situation that I'm in. So to justify that, I'm going to let a criminal go, Barabbas, and perhaps condemn someone who's innocent. But that is what I want to do because it's the easiest thing right here. And so he does it. Now, that's not too dissimilar to something that we all do in everyday life. We always justify what we want to do, okay? We, we somehow make reasonable, we use a logic argument in our own minds to always justify the course of action we want to take. Let me give you an example of that. It's a bit of a silly one. I couldn't think of a better one uh, for now. Um, let's imagine you're, you're going shopping and you see, you go past a shoe shop, and I don't know if you like shoes or not. When I pass by a shoe shop, I do stop and admire the shoes. And I always look at um, perhaps a, a pair that is a little bit out of my price range. And I look at those shoes. Oh, those are very nice shoes. Very nice. In fact, I put on my best shoes this morning, just so you can see I've succumbed to that occasionally. Um, see a very nice pair of shoes. And you think, so it's, a bit, it's a bit pricey. But hold on a second. It's been a difficult year. I think this might help my morale a little bit if I just... I haven't done it in a while. Time to splash out a bit. Or you might think, well, it's good to buy a good pair of shoes because it will last longer than my other pairs of shoes and I will save money if I buy these shoes. Right? Have you ever done that? You justify. You come up with a really sound logic. And you think, well, that's going to be good for me at work, actually, because it will... It will boost my confidence a little bit. Uh, it will make me feel like, okay, more respected. So that will help in many ways. It will make me feel um, better. And then, therefore, I might be nicer to my family, um, my work colleagues. This pair of shoes is going to change my life. Maybe even change the world. I'm going to get them. I need to get them. I owe it to everyone to get them. Uh, I know that's silly. Not, not so silly. But that sounds logical, doesn't it? There's a logic to that. Now, we all do things like that all the time. Sometimes it concludes in a logical argument that actually causes a great deal of destruction. Maybe not the shoes. It's not, not that may not cause that much destruction that might make me financially in a difficult place. It might mean an argument with a spouse. It might mean someone else going without. We do things and we justify them, but sometimes it might mean getting into debt, breaking up a family. Some of the things that our heart wants and we justify it can lead to great destruction. And it can happen with world leaders too, can't it? Think about Putin, the president of Russia, for a moment. When you listen to some of the things he said to justify what he has done, he said these things. We're here to liberate. We're here to protect our people. We're preventing genocide. We're actually doing this in self-defense because we feel threatened. We're doing it for good. 
we're only taking back what is ours anyway. Do you see that? Do you see the logic he's put on it? Because deep down he wants something and so therefore he's going to justify it. Pontius Pilate did the very same. He wants peace, so he does a great injustice and he justifies what he did with Jesus, handing over the king of glory, an innocent man, to be condemned because it's what he wanted in his heart. We Christians can now see from heaven's perspective, can't we? When we look at the gospel, we read that and we go, oh, what a crazy situation. How could Pontius Pilate do that? How could the crowd turn over Jesus and shout, crucify, crucify? How could they argue for a release of a criminal to condemn Jesus? But we see differently now. We don't see a poor Jewish prisoner. We see the king of glory. We see the king who is now sat higher than Pontius Pilate, the emperor, Vladimir Putin, Boris Johnson, all the leaders of this world. We now see who the true king is. And we must, must hold on to that. Because at times like this, as we've already thought, there is something we can do. We can pray to the king in situations like this. We can appeal to the king to whom even President Putin must answer. However much power we think some people have, there is one who has more, and it is Jesus. And that should reassure us at a time like this. So we're going to pray, obviously, aren't we, today? We're going to pray tonight. And we might pray to Jesus that he would intervene, that he would change hearts, that he might reverse decisions, and that there would be peace. He may, Jesus, he may call other nations to do something. He might raise up nations to stand or fight. He may even call Christians to play our part in that. Who knows? Especially when there's a conflict that defends innocent people or where atrocities are being committed at the hands of evil people. Jesus might call for that, for people to fight. But we also must pray for our leaders. We must pray for the Ukrainians and our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine and how they are to respond. But when we see Jesus here, in front of Pontius Pilate, Jesus doesn't take up arms, does he? At this situation, at this time, he doesn't call for conflict. He actually says, if my kingdom were of this world, he says, verse 36, if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. We don't see God intervene when it comes to the cross. We actually see the kingdoms of this world have their way with the Lord of glory. 
So Jesus might be calling us, and I know this to be true because he says it, to love our enemies. That's really hard, isn't it, when you think about some of the things that's going on right now. What does it mean to love our enemies? It certainly means to pray for them. It certainly means to wish the best for them, if possible. In this instance, Pilate, from a worldly perspective, he won the battle, didn't he? From an earthly perspective, Pilate wins here. He gets his way and he crushes Jesus. But ultimately, he lost the war. Because of what Jesus does on the cross. Not even in Jesus' lifetime. Jesus goes to the cross that day and he loses. But within 300 years of that cross, within 300 years, the entire Roman Empire becomes Christian. The greatest empire the world has ever known comes to Christ and the emperor himself bows the knee to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus fought, because Jesus defended himself, because Jesus out-argued and out-punched his enemies? No. Because he laid his life down for them and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How does that happen? Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And there's one other thing we Christians can do in times like this. Whether we're called to fight, whether we're not called to fight, you know, God might decide those things. But we can certainly all begin to spread the love of Jesus in our own towns, neighborhoods, and with all the people we know who need the love of Christ right now. And one day, one day, may not even be in our lifetime or in our generation, but one day we will see empires bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Isn't that what we want to see? That is the way to ultimately gain peace, is when we live out the gospel And it's so winsome, even for our enemies, that they confess Jesus is Lord. How we react in this world may change the future. How we act today will change the future for generations. We may not always win every battle or see vindication in our lifetimes. But the way of Jesus will will always win and already has won. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But he didn't win that position through taking, through violence and conflict and power what belongs to him. No, he didn't do that. He laid it all down and sacrificed himself for his enemies. And therefore, Lord, you gave him the throne above all thrones because you can trust him with it. And he knows what to do with power. And he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. So, Lord, we do pray for all those engaged in this conflict, for those that are being wronged and for those doing the wronging. We ask that everyone come to Christ, that there might be peace. 
But whatever you call us to, Father, may we, may we walk the path of Jesus, may we do what is right, and may our world leaders also do what is right. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.